Hello, beautiful basketball fans. Welcome to this week's episode of We Have a Take, the What Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at We Have a Take. I'm Cassidy, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host. You may know her as Team Mom, and if you're one of her kids, I guess you know her as just Mom. It's Tara. How are you doing today, Tara? I'm doing good. Great. I'm doing great. Thanks, Cassidy. And today we are joined by super fan of the big screen and small and members member of Beaver's Damnation. Uh, Sagar, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So we are super stoked and I think we'll get started with our icebreaker today because we have a bunch to talk about. And then we'll get to know a little bit more about you and your how you got to know basketball. But uh, we were thinking, since we know you are a movie buff, what NBA player would you like to cast in a DC or Marvel movie or series? And what would their role be? I'm not familiar with all of the like the mythology of the comic books, mm-hmm. but I think that the most obvious answer is Boban Marjanovic. He had his cameo in John Wick 3. He was great in it. I think he would make a great villain. And uh, we all love Boban, so why not? I mean, I love it. Tara, did you have an answer for this one? I'm so hard because I don't really know. I, I'll admit I don't know anything about the DC or Marvel. I don't know who is in which one. I don't know why they have so many movies. The only thing that I know is my one of my favorite TV shows is the old Batman 66. If you have not done a deep dive into Batman 66, which was created and aired in 1966, 67 and 68. It is the most amazing series you will ever see. Um, it's the, the Adam West, uh, Batman, just totally incomparable. And the thing that makes him so great in that is that, uh, he's like super earnest and he's also like, you know, he's super serious about mentoring Robin and like, he's like very civically aware. He always like, you know, puts coins in the parking meter and makes sure that Robin knows that they're supposed to do all their civic duty. So I was like, who is like that earnest? And the person that I came up with who I think would be a really good campy uh, Batman is Russell Westbrook. I think he would be really funny as that like super earnest guy. And I think he'd be really into the fact that Batman like doesn't actually have any superpowers, that it's just his like hyper developed human powers plus technology. I just think Russell Westbrook would be super into that. Okay. Okay. Okay, so it's funny. Mine's Batman-related, too. But I kind of went a different route. And I'm going to say I would like to see Robin Lopez as a Batman villain. Yes. Um, Possibly where Batman partners with mascots. I'm here for it. <laughs> I love that. Wait, can, can you can you work on that one? Can you uh, go a little more on that one, Batman with mascots? So, um, I would say Robin Lopez probably sets a bomb somewhere in the arena. Um, and it happens to be the mascot, the home mascot's birthday that night. And so it's the whole mascot night birthday party. And everybody's there. And, you know, one of them starts to notice things are kind of like a little wacky. And then, you know, they call their friend Batman. And then Batman has to work with all the mascots to defeat Robin Lopez and... You know, I'm going to go with, like, maybe the Riddler on this because I feel like that could be a fun twist, and I just enjoy the Riddler. So, you know, call me, Hollywood. Uh, It basically writes itself. Yeah. It's like Space Jam 3. Perfect. Is is Bobom going to be in Space Jam? I don't think so, but I'm not sure. I, I was reading about Space Jam because I was reading about Sean Bradley, uh, over the weekend. Cause, you know, for people who don't know, Sean Bradley, former Dallas Maverick, uh, was, uh, struck by a car on his bicycle and uh, was paralyzed and his family just, you know, uh, let people know about it recently. So I was like, what do I know about Sean Bradley except for the fact that he was cast in, um, Space Jam <laughs> and nobody understood why. Uh, but I was reading up about him. He had a 12 year NBA career. Like, I did yeah. not know that he was in the NBA that long. It was just, I, I just thought that was interesting. It's commendable to have a career that long and, you know, not be a star, like, at the level of a Michael Jordan, for example, but to still be serviceable in the league for that long is, it's not nothing. 
No. And like, especially like when I was reading about him, like so much of the stuff was making fun of him. And like, I even read this, the Sloan conference paper that was about, uh, it was the box score of the actual game, um, that was played during Space Jam. And, uh, Sean Bradley had no, he didn't register anything in the box score. And the person who wrote the paper said, this was the only realistic thing about it. And I was like, that is so mean. I was like, where's your 12 year career, Mr. Paper writer? <laughs> anyway, I could go on, but we have a guest that we've never had on the show before. Sagar it is so exciting to see your face. We've seen, we see you on Twitter all the time. Um, but we don't really get a chance to talk, although we did meet at least once before at a Blazers yes. Edge night event. Yes. Um, but yeah, now we we want to get to know you. So, uh, can you start off by telling us uh, like where your interest and passion for basketball came from? Yeah, I first started playing as a grade schooler um, in CYO basketball, uh, as I think most people do. I feel like, um, but I played CYO for eight years, um, and then started playing college basketball or not college. God, I wish uh, <laughs> high school basketball until injuries became an issue. But as I grew up in like playing basketball. I learned about, you know, with the Lakers back in 08, 09, with the Celtics finals matchups they had. Um, and then I learned about Blazers existing with Brandon Roy and Marcus Aldridge. Um, and started watching around that time. And since then, with the team drafting Dame Lillard, uh, it's only grown. Now, uh, when you played, did you, like, have a particular position that you played? Mostly power forward, sometimes center. Yeah, did you have a signature move? No, I wish. <laughs> if you could have had a signature move, what would it have been? Probably the drop step in the post. This drop step layup. Were uh, were other kids doing that in the at the time, or was that like a superstar no. move? <laughs> that, was, that was me only. <laughs> only in practice. I love it. Um, do you have a favorite trailblazer? I mean, it's Dame Lillard, is it not? I mean, outside of like the obvious. Um, Brandon Roy, I have a soft spot for, mm-hmm. and then Wes Matthews. You can't not love Wes Matthews. Uh, exactly. Who doesn't love Wes? Yeah. Um. Well, what about a favorite Trailblazer memory? So, as, again, outside of the obvious of like the point nine shot or uh, the Oklahoma City game winner, uh, the one that comes to mind is I was actually in the arena for. Do you remember the game against Minnesota when Thomas Robinson blocked Corey Brewer and that led to a Will Barton alley dunk? I remember that Will yes. Barton alley dunk. Yes, I was there at that game. Oh. And it was the most amped I've ever seen that arena be like while I'm there. It was what incredible. A fun memory. Oh my God. That just like totally took me back. Yeah, it's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I used to say about Will Barton, like, nobody loves playing basketball more than Will Barton. Like, he just always, like, he just always had this joy about him that was just like, he just looked like he was so happy to be out there and he dunked. Remember when they used to dunk? Yeah. (sighs) I'll be over here. I have a Will Barton dunk in my Top Shot collection right now just to, like, remind me of the happiness. Because it was no. really cheap and I needed three to bu- try to buy a pack, which of course didn't happen oh. for me. But, um, so yeah, definitely the Will Barton dunk is a, is so a sentimental memory for me. Um, but we've been taking a little bit of a look back. And so I think we're going to dive into our episode today. And I think we're going to start with a little bit of our Rip City recap. And as the trade deadline is right around the corner and the league has been oddly quiet, and as soon as I say this, I have cursed the quiet because we still have to edit and upload this episode, which means that you are listening to this, and I am probably now completely wrong, but you're welcome because the curse made that happen. Um, so we want to dive in, and I kind of am wondering, well, I guess this is going to be Tara. I think Tara is going to lead this one because... Tara had a lot of good questions about this and me towards the trade deadline. I just want craziness and chaos, but I also just don't want it to affect the Blazers. So I needed to leave this to Tara to actually talk about like things that are serious about trading. I just want to acknowledge that we're calling it a recap, but we're all just pretending that Sunday night's game didn't happen. So we're actually looking forward with our recap. <laughs> yeah. Like Things happened and then we had some great moments 
I mean, Terry Stotts had his 500th win, and then something happened after that, and we don't really, we don't know what happened because the Beavers were playing, and the Ducks were playing, and the Beavers were playing, and the Ducks were playing, because (laughs) what's not to love about March Madness? And, you know, something happened, and we're not going to talk about it. And, you know, I don't think the Blazers remember either because they lost their fonts, and it was only wing game. (laughs) My theory was that... My theory was that um, Stotts just wanted to like hang on to that 500th win just like one more night. Yeah, it's worth savoring. It's a nice round number, right? But you're right, Cassidy. Trade deadline is right around the corner. Uh, it's coming up on Thursday. We're recording this on Monday. The, I, so I guess my first question for you, Soccer, is like, what do you think the likelihood of a trade deadline train by the Blazers is? That's kind of like the first thing to start with. Honestly, it's hard to tell. Neil O'Shea has never been one to like leak very much. Um, the team is whenever there's leaks involving the team, it's from the other side usually. Um, so as of right now, I would put the odds at maybe like twenty percent. I don't think anything will happen, but you never know. Uh, yeah, as soon as I think that nothing's going to happen, that's always when something's going to happen. And then right always. when like it fa- feels like something's going to happen, then then nothing happens. Well, okay, so we don't really think we don't really know what is going to happen. Um, but when you like kind of think back on some of the trades that Neil Olshay have done has done, you know, which would you rank amongst the top of his in season moves? That's a good question. I think the Nurkic trade has to be top tier. Uh, and at that time, I was very much like, confused by it. I didn't see the point in like you're like a playoff run, trading away your starting center and Mason Plumley. Uh, that was kind of confusing. Obviously, I was wrong. <laughs> um, that seems like the one that stands out as clearly the most successful to, to date. That one, I thought that one was all about the draft pick, and I just really thought that that Nurkic was kind of thrown in there. Like Cassidy, what did you think about when you heard that one? You know, I just didn't really know. I didn't know too much about Nurkic at the time. And I was like, okay, so we had a team that was kind of working well and we're going to, we're going to mix it up. But I mean, Nurkic kind of came out and proved that there was a reason we made the trade. And so it's pretty, pretty quick to be like, Oh, okay. Just kidding. Um, we love this guy. Uh, keep him forever. Um, cause it, he almost, he exudes kind of that spirit the way Wesley Matthews does to an extent where it's kind of just that like, you know, he's in the building. It doesn't matter. And we've said this before. And so I think, I mean, he, he, who knew it was going to work out so well? I wouldn't have predicted it, but you know what? I was wrong too. Well, um, if, how about if you were advising Jody Allen? What would you suggest that the Blazers do at the deadline? So this is like, you know, in the context of how they always do things and what, like, as far as we know, they're comfortable with usually at the trade deadline. I think that I would ask if I can go into the tax and pay tax money. Okay. (laughs) I think that given how close the team is to that, I guess, threshold, um, it's hard to make very many trades and not go into it. Um, but I think that the easiest way to make the team better is to be willing to spend more money now. Uh, and if she cleared that, then obviously you can try and target a guy like an Aaron Gordon who's been in the rumors today. Uh, or someone, even like a lesser known player like Austin Rivers who makes like $3 million who could still help the bench. I, um, I, was afraid to say it out loud at the beginning in the off season, but I always thought Austin Rivers would make such a nice addition. <laughs> like we're not supposed to like Austin Rivers, but that he just he's tough, you know. He's got that toughness to him. Like when he like what was this? He broke his face or whatever. Yeah. It was. He was, I mean, he just like he just kept going, and ever since then, it just like really impressed me. And I thought that he would be a nice addition, but you know. It's like one of those things where when is the last time they got a backup uh point guard, right? I mean, it's been since Shabazz was here. Did they have anybody after Shabazz? I don't know. Um I mean, if you count Simons, maybe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, like if if she did say, let's go ahead and go into the tax, I guess my question kind of for both of you is like, do the Blazers need – this is really hard to ask the day after they got – 
blown out by 40 points. <laughs> do the Blazers need to do anything at the trade deadline? A, I don't know what you're talking about because I don't believe there was a game <laughs> since Terry Stott's 500th win. Um, uh, you got an answer for this one? <laughs> I think that there's always room to improve, right? Like we are, what, 25 and 17, something like that. Um, so you can get better, right? We're fifth, sixth in the West. Um, at the same time, I think that any need that we have isn't glaring. I think that if they didn't make a trade or sign somebody off the buyout market, I think that that wouldn't be a bad thing necessarily because the team is still quite good as is. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's that balance of like, when Nurkic comes back, is it going to be like Nurkic in full swing or is Nurk going to need a little bit? Because like, it's totally fine if he needs a little bit, but it, Cantor's tired. And I think that's pretty clear. Like Cantor looks like he's been doing everything because well, he's out there a lot and he's doing a lot of things and he's guarding a lot of big guys and he's taking a lot of hits. And I kind of wonder if having another big man, I mean, and it's also, when do we get Harry back? Are we like, is Harry going to get actual minutes? Are we ready for that? Um, I'm ready for that, but I, I'm also not the coach or, you know, or should be. So, um, I don't know. I kind of, my instinct is to say another big birth, another big guy, like bring someone in, bring someone in to help, bring someone in just in case. But, like, if you could get, I mean, okay, here's the dream. If you could get LaMarcus Aldridge in a buyout, why wouldn't you? If he's willing to take a role, it's a similar thing to, like, Carmelo taking a different role. But, I mean, I don't see LaMarcus ever that being a problem with him. Like, would you want LaMarcus in a buyout? Like you said, I don't see why not. I think that having a big body to help and you know, give 10, 15 minutes a night when Cantor needs a break. Uh, I think that that can only help. And then obviously from the sentimental standpoint of having him back for the first time in six years now, I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. It would be so weird to get LaMarcus back at this point because there wouldn't be any fans. So it's almost yeah. like the best time to get LaMarcus back <laughs> for all those people who are still mad. <laughs> that, Do you think people are I thought about mad? that when the news broke. I don't think so anymore. I, I think that it's been long enough. I feel like there are definitely people who are mad. But one good press conference with LaMarcus smiling, telling us that he loves us. And, you know, he had to go back home for a little while to take care of his family. But now he wants to finish out his career, you know, at the place that means the most to him in his career. Like, we would all just, like, be like, okay, we'd all melt. I think as Blazer fans, we are suckers for that kind of loyalty um, and that feeling of being wanted. And so him saying that would smooth it all right over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I would be perfect. I loved LaMarcus, and I was, like, the last person to, like uh, – I didn't believe it until I saw it with my own eyes that he was leaving, even though everybody was telling me, he's gone, he's gone. I was like, no, he hasn't said it yet. He hasn't said it yet. I never clung to the whole – he said he was going to retire a blazer uh, just because like guys say that life changes. Things happen. Like yeah. I never held him to that. But wouldn't that be funny if he did? I mean, I'd love it. <laughs> I think that'd be so great. <laughs> okay. But let's talk about, let's talk about needs for the team. So Cassidy, you brought up a, uh, a backup center for the backup center. Who's playing starting center. Um, but what about, you know, the fact that Damian Lillard is and CJ McCollum aren't getting any younger? I mean, like, is it too early to start thinking about the future? I mean, like, there's like three teams that have all the draft picks for the next like million years. Like, so how hard should the Blazers be trying to, you know, get themselves back into the draft? I think that, I mean, obviously they're, not planning on being in it, at least for this upcoming draft. Um, I think that if you're looking at like potential guards of the future, when they took Anthony Simons in 2018, I think, uh, 
I think that was what they thought. That's they, they saw, I think, a bit of Lillard and CJ in Anthony. And I think we've seen flashes of that at times. But he's young, it's inconsistent, and that's how young players are. While I want to give him the like, the room to grow, it's hard to balance that with also trying to win and contend ASAP. Which is why, like, over the offseason, you know, we thought maybe Austin Rivers or, like, potentially... Um, I'm not sure how you balance that now moving forward. What do you guys think about Rodney Hood getting the playing time and Anthony Simons not playing right now? Okay, well, Tara knows this because my flood of anxious text messages asking, are we trading Ant? Is that what's happening right now? Um like, are we shopping him? And that's why we're getting Rodney back into the, to the swing of things. And I honestly still don't know. Like, I don't, I, like you said, Neil O'Shea doesn't show his cards, uh, not at this time of year. And, uh, you know, I don't know. And there are other things that point me to think maybe Ant is getting traded, but then other parts of me is like, no, he'd never trade Ant. So, I'm back and forth, but I wouldn't be surprised if it happens this week. And if it doesn't happen this week, I, again, wouldn't be that surprised. So in your scenario, they're not playing him because they're, like, so close to some kind of an agreement that they don't want to risk any type of injury or something while they're – or anything. Yeah. Uh, that or they're shopping and they realize because they're shopping right now – or maybe they're shopping for someone who's in a different position that they need Rodney to be playing that position so that because maybe they're shopping for someone like, I don't know, Eric Gordon. So they need Rodney and they're getting his reps because they're not going to have Anthony anymore. That is an interesting way to look at it. I think that I think it's interesting. I, I get the idea of like wanting to preserve a guy uh, from getting injured when you're potentially close to a deal. And we've seen that happen many times before. Um, I, I don't know if they would do that this early before the deadline, like a week plus in advance. Um, I think that I'm projecting here. I don't know for sure. Obviously my, my guess is that Terry Stotts feels like Rodney is, he's a veteran player compared to Ant and coming back from this big injury. He needs, Reps to kind of you know, shake the rust off and get back into it. Um, so I think the logic is, I think that's the logic is trying to you know get Rodney back so that he can be at a point in the playoffs where you can feel where you can trust him. Um, whereas maybe in the playoffs you're not playing Simon as much, anyways. It's it's so funny. There are as many theories as there are people out there. <laughs> There's also the theory that they're playing Rodney in order to showcase him because they're trying to uh, trade him. And then there's also the theory that they're playing Rodney because he already does trust him more than he trusts Anthony. It's just amazing how many different stories we can all make up. And we know we, none of us have any idea what's going on. Yeah. It'd be nice if they could tell us, but they can't. I know. I kind of love that. Well, so you brought up Aaron Gordon. Um, I'm wondering if you have any, uh, you know, uh, trades that you would think would be fun to talk about or look at or that would be useful for the Blazers or, uh, you know, are you somebody who spends a lot of time with the trade machine? To an unhealthy degree, yes. <laughs> Okay, good. So tell us some of the things. Just walk it because I'm just I I'm just like fascinated with the with the whole process and then fascinated with it as like an intellectual like it's like a story problem because you have to make everything yeah. work and all that stuff. So what are some of the ones that you've played around that you that you like? Most recently, it's been when it comes to the Blazers, it's been that kind of Aaron Gordon idea because we thought about it for like five years now. Every, like the ringer posts their annual CJ for Aaron Gordon trade piece like every year. <laughs> um, but this year kind of feels like it's getting to the point where Orlando needs to move him at some point. Uh, and there's so much smoke going on with the athletic reporting things and ESPN reporting things that where there's smoke, there's fire. Uh, so I've been messing around with that and trying to figure out like three team trades or even four team trades because I love that chaos. <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> uh, but you might have to give an idea, like a suggestion. Yeah, no, go for it. Over the weekend, I was talking to a friend, and the idea he gave was trading Rodney Hood, Zach Collins, Gary Trent Jr., and a first-round draft pick for Aaron Gordon and Dwayne Bacon. Okay, so they send out three and get back two? Correct. Okay. I don't know enough about Dwayne Bacon, so like, as you said me that the Blazers would keep? I think so. I think the idea behind that was – if you're getting rid of Gary Trent Jr., you're kind of thin at the guard spots. You need somebody there. And Dwayne Bacon, my understanding of him at least, it's I haven't watched him really since college, um, is that he can score. Mm-hmm. Okay. And scoring is nice. Yes, and Blazers um, definitely like scoring. <laughs> yes. And so I think that for the sake of you know making the salaries work and getting somebody who's a guard at that size who you can play if you need to, um, I think that He's in there just to kind of fill a, fill a need almost. Um, let me let me ask a question. The uh, so you traded for Aaron Gordon without trading CJ away. So good job. Um, <laughs> what does Orlando really get? Like, are, are would they really be interested in those guys? I think so. The reporting is kind of vague. They seem to want two picks and a young player back. I don't think they'll get that. That seems very optimistic. Yeah. Um, but if they can do one pick and a young player in Gary Trent Jr., who we all love Gary, I think, but he's going to get paid very soon. Right. Uh, and uh, with Portland, with having Damon CJ, you know, there are questions about, do you want to pay him $20 million a year? Whereas Orlando, they're only, they, I guess, have two guards in Markel Fultz, who's out with a ACL injury. And then Cole Anthony, who's the rookie, they can afford to bring in a guy like Gary Trent who can both score and defend and pay him whatever he gets as a free agent. Mm -hmm. Uh, With Zach Collins and Rodney Hood in that trade then, Rodney mostly serves as salary filler, which doesn't feel good to say because we all love Rodney as well. Uh, And then Zach Collins would be kind of like they would get his restricted free agent rights. They could keep him if they want to. They could trade him. They have options then. Oh man, I feel so bad for Zach Collins. He just has not had a chance to show who he is. It's been a rough two years. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so Aaron Gordon, you know, is that wing, right? And he can shoot and he can defend. Like, why Aaron Gordon? Because I know, like, everybody's been talking about Aaron Gordon, like, since he came in the league. Why is he such a great fit in Portland? Add another slam dunk champion. <laughs> that's that's really what we're doing. We're just creating well, a collection of. But wasn't he robbed? Yeah, he was robbed. But we're well. But that would take away Derek Jones Jr. He was right? not robbed. Derek Jones Jr. So we, absolutely. Derek Jones that. Jr. won that. I rewatched well, the it one recently. Was, the one was Zach Levine though. He lost that. Oh, okay. So he was robbed. Then Derek Jones Jr. beat him. So we're just going to count him as a champion from that Rob year because. He was champion in our eyes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll call him that and then we'll just make Zach Levine mad. So aside from his fantastic slam, slam dunk, um, uh, you know, career, which we know he'll come and lose all his powers in Portland. Um, what else does he bring? He has one of those contracts that gets lower and lower every year, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I think that the idea of him is a lot better than who he is right now. I mean, he's still young. He's, I think, 25 maybe. So there's room to get better. And I think being in a system with guys like Damon CJ, I think can make him look better. Um, but I think the idea is you get this guy. I'm not sure how tall he is, uh, but I think I would guess 6'8", 6'9", something like that. Yeah. Uh, who can play the three, in theory, the four and even the five in small ball lineups. So your small ball lineup could then be Dame, CJ, uh, Rocco, Derek Jones Jr., and Aaron Gordon. And with that, you have versatility. They can switch all they want. And you don't really lose much in terms of scoring. You can still put the ball in the basket. Yeah, it feels like I just, it feels like we keep coming back to Aaron Gordon. And I think the other thing about this is, Neil O'Shea loves coming back to players that he has once wanted. 
I'm looking up who his agent is right now. This is a trend. (laughs) And so I feel like there's that chance too. Um, I don't know. It's all craziness and it feels like we're about to hop into more craziness. Who's his agent, Tara? He's with Clutch. I knew it. You made that face. Tara's convinced there's like a conspiracy theory, which is going to be a whole nother episode about how Clutch is slowly taking over the world. Um, All in an effort to get Damian Lord to Los Angeles, which is ultimately yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. Don't like that. No, but you know, the conspiracy theory runs deep around here. Um, well, I feel like we've tra- talked a ton of trade talks and I feel like we're in the position of we may never know because Neil O'Shea keeps us in the dark. And, you know, I think we're going to know a lot more after the trade deadline is over. Um, and I feel like that's how we kind of feel as Portland fans. But we have uh, hit the second half of the season and we've hit the ground, not just running, but in a full blown sprint. Uh, with the craziness of the past year comes craziness of scheduling, which means a lot of games and not a lot of days. So I want to take a little bit of a deep dive in the remaining eight weeks. Yes, only eight weeks left of the NBA schedule. And we are going to look at the challenges that face our favorite team. So we're going to kind of take it by week by week and kind of look at what their schedule looks like for the next eight weeks and where we think the road might be rough ahead, where there might be some sunshine and where are they going to sleep? Because, oh, my gosh. Um, so we're going to start off with week one, which is this week. We're recording on a Monday. So Tuesday, we have Brooklyn. Thursday, we have Miami in Miami. Friday, we're in Orlando. And Sunday, we're in Toronto. Or, well, we're playing Toronto in Florida, uh, in Tampa. So, um Oh my god, you guys, I'm so stressed out. They're gonna be in Florida for four days during spring break. Oh no, I, am, I didn't think of that. I, like, I'm so stressed out over this. Our, our, our team, they follow the rules, they do what they're supposed to do. I'm sure that they're all following all the protocols all of the time. I would have no, but they're gonna be in Miami, Orlando, or in Orlando during peak spring break season. And I just, I'm so stressed out about that. <laughs> the good news is that they got a vaccine right before that trip. They did, but it's going to be two weeks their until they're fully. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I don't even know what kind they got. They so. got a one out of the two doses. So they're, they got the moder- the Moderna one. So they're, yeah. they got the Dolly Parton one. That's awesome. They got the Dolly, oh, is that the Dolly Parton one? Sweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, you Tara would love that. Um, but you know, then it takes a little bit of time for that to kick in. Sure. They may be a little, you know, as someone who has recently gone through my first shot, uh, you know, there's a lot of pain in the arm. I had a few other symptoms, but I'm also a long hauler, so I was expecting those. Um, and as much as I love them being in one place or at least one area for that amount of time, I kind of wish it wasn't Florida during spring break. I know. I wish they could have been there like any other time. Like I actually, seven. you guys, there's actually, uh, I went to a website called springbreak.com that breaks it all down. <laughs> and that is like, they are there during peak Florida spring break week. This week and next week are the peak Florida spring break week. So, but you know what? Our guys are responsible. It's Damian Lillard. Do you think Damian Lillard is going to let any of those guys go out and be irresponsible? Oh. It'll totally be is, fine. Maybe they'll I go to like Anthony's house. so good at like, oh yeah. And they're so good at like, kind of creating something to do when they're stuck in these situations, it feels like, as a team. Um, and I feel like other teams maybe struggle with that a little bit more uh, than our our beloved Blazers with the best leadership in the league. Um, so, you know, I'm hoping everybody's going to be A-OK. They seem very responsible. They were all excited to get vaccines today. They said 13 players. So that is very exciting. But week one in spring breaky Florida may worry us a little bit. Um, so as we hop down, week two is a little bit less intense uh, of a week. We've got a Wednesday game at Detroit, Friday Milwaukee's at 
Portland. Uh, and then we've got Saturday against Oklahoma City at home. So only three games in week two. It kind of feels like this is the calm before the crazy storm. Uh, what do you guys think about this part of the schedule? It feels nice. Yeah. <laughs> three games in a week feels like something we haven't had in a long time. Mm-hmm. Two of them at home. Like, yeah. Yeah. A good chunk of time at home. A uh, little bit of calm. Um, for everybody listening who hasn't really looked at the schedule, you're gonna you're gonna hear why we're saying it's calm now because woohoo, it's gonna get crazy in a little bit. Um, so we're we're thinking week two, pretty chill week. I mean, you've got Milwaukee, you've got some tough games, but I mean, you've got Milwaukee. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, a little bit of time at home, a little bit of relaxation. But you got to get ready for week three, where we have the Clippers on Tuesday, Utah on Thursday, Detroit on Saturday, and Miami on Sunday. Well, you know, I'm I'm anxious to see Utah again. Like, I really hope that the Blazers are full strength and playing up to, like, what we know they can do against Utah. Like, I really, I just, every year I'm worried about Utah. This was, of course, the one year I wasn't worried about Utah. And now here they sit at the top. So annoying. Um, But, yeah, I just, I hope that they can have a good game against Utah. And that's going to be a tough week. But it's the last, let's see, I guess it's just a two-game road trip. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one I'm focused on that week. It's been annoying because... We played them one time in the season opener and lost by 20. And since then, we've seen them do what they've done. They've, you know, led the West so far. And I'm personally not somebody who believes in them as like real contenders. So to not have the chance to play them until, you know, it's April 8th, it looks like, uh, it's going to feel good. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> I really hope. I hope that that game kind of powers them through the rest of that week. Yeah. Um, and then we hit week four. Week four is another one of those rare only three game weeks in this schedule. Um, but I strongly believe it kicks off the roughest 20 days of the schedule of the whole season. Um, so we've got Boston on Tuesday at home. We've got San Antonio in San Antonio on Friday and on Sunday they're in Charlotte. Um, what happened to Boston this season? Losing Gordon Hayward is tough. He's I guess good. so. Yeah, and and getting him is also a good thing for Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that 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 week is kind of the last time that they have two days off for yeah. a long time. We're yeah, we're gonna play eleven games in twenty days at that point from oh that Charlotte God. game on. Um. And it's a lot of travel, and it is a lot of back-to-back travel, mm-hmm. which I thought we were promised not to do too much this year. But yeah, They promised you know, a lot of things to make this season. You know, <laughs> things were promised. Promises were made, but promises were not kept um, by the league. Um, our, um, where are we seeing the challenges on that week? Is it just that San we're going Antonio. into craziness? The San Antonio game seems like one, you know, based on the standings right now, where they're not far behind us. Mm-hmm. That game could end up mattering quite a bit. Yeah, that's very true. So I think week four, watch out for San Antonio and uh, hope the guys are getting some sleep that week. Uh, is kind of what we're looking at for that week. So that takes us into week five. Week five, we're going to play the Clippers on Tuesday. Uh, Denver on Wednesday, Memphis on Friday, and Memphis on Sunday. I personally don't think we're ever actually going to play Memphis again. Because every time we're supposed to play <laughs> Memphis, it gets canceled. I feel like maybe we've played them. Did, did we play, play them one time this year? Because the two games that they were supposed to play earlier got canceled and these have been scheduled. The game shut down right before they were supposed to play Memphis. Right. The league shut down right that before That was the that. day of, right? That night, I think. Or maybe it was the night before. I think it was the night before. 
I just feel like they're never going to play Memphis. So now they're going to have Memphis three times in six days. Did we play Memphis yet, though? Because I think no, I don't think so. we wouldn't have played Memphis because we're in a 72-game season, so we only play our conference three times versus four, right? Right, and we've got three coming up here. Right, okay. So, yeah. I don't think we're ever going to play Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> I, that, I don't want anybody to like, you know, be in health and safety protocols or anything like that. I don't know if we're going to have, I don't, every national, every natural disaster has happened in the last year. So I don't know what else space, maybe people could come from space. There could be an alien attack. Something, something will happen. And during that week, mark my words. Yeah. Who had that on the bingo board? Alien attack. Um, uh, Anything else we're spotting on that that uh week? Uh, yeah, back to back with Clippers in Denver. Yeah, that's a tough back to back. Yeah, that's thankfully not it's at fun. home. Thankfully it's at home. You get Denver. You don't have to be in Denver because that mm-hmm. would suck. Uh, but that's going to be a tough one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then the back to backs or the one day separation against the same team in the same location. It's just weird. Like, and it's played out to be weird league-wide. Like, this is not a, it's just weird for us. It's just a weird situation because you're going in, you have the time, you're not traveling, and then you're looking at film for the exact same team for the team you just played to adjust to. And it just, it results in almost more competitive games to an extent, but also... On the other half of that, it results in blowouts. I think that they did a study earlier in the season, like maybe at the halfway mark. I don't remember when exactly mm-hmm. uh, about saying like how those games get split. Like, do, does one team win both, or do they go one and one? And more often than not, the two teams split those games. Mm-hmm. It's hard to win two in a row. Yeah, it's real hard. I, you know, and as much as you know, it, even when it's against a team that you don't expect, uh. You know, you know, we all know who we're talking about. Um, so, you know, even when it's the Timberwolves, right? They're all NBA teams. These are NBA players on any given night. And I know we give teams crap and I know that we, we do a little bit of trash talking. I may have done some and I regret it deeply <laughs> in that series. Um, but you know, on any given night, any given player can go off. Any a given team can have a night. They're all professionals. So, oh, some of this, this whole, this whole schedule is stressing me out for the sake of the Blazers. I feel like it's worth noting that these kind of like baseball series that they're starting this year, mm-hmm. um, like to try and like reduce travel yeah. and confidence and that kind of thing. It could stay beyond COVID, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it will. Um, and honestly, it probably should. From the perspective of lessening air travel, yeah, uh, to the extent that you can, and so it makes a lot of sense. And I think it's an interesting dynamic that I'm, I'm excited to see how it would play out over a series of years, because I think it could develop into kind of you look forward to those for some reason, yeah. or maybe you have like a crazy game plan, like maybe the first night you're just gonna go wild and do a bunch of things you never tried before. I don't know. It could be crazy. You always want that to happen, Cassidy. Cassidy always wants them to try something that the I, I have so before. many crazy theories like, oh, like certain players being on the bench just so that they could start a fight just for the purpose of, you know, you know, I'm, I'm all about it. But week five, we faced Memphis twice. You know, we got a back to back with the Clippers in Denver. But week six, guess what? We're going to see a familiar team again. Uh, so we've got Pacers on Tuesday at Indiana. We are at Memphis on Wednesday. We are at Brooklyn on Friday. And we are at Boston on Sunday. If someone told me I just had to travel to all of those places, I don't have to play a game. I literally just have to go there, get out of the airport, get a cup of coffee, get back on a flight. I'm done. Like, I'm not doing anything else. I don't know how you're playing an NBA game in between all of that. That is fast and furious. Yeah. 
I mean, I was thinking that would be like kind of a fun road trip. Uh, like if you're going to go follow the team, like from Memphis to Brooklyn to Boston, like just city wise, mm-hmm. that would be like really fun. But yeah, on behalf of the players, I'm already exhausted. I just turned the month because it goes into May. This road trip does. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I see Indiana, Memphis, Brooklyn. I'm like, that's not too bad. You know, a couple of tough teams it should be fun. Turn the page, Boston, and then it keeps on going. Yeah. And then we hit week seven, which is Atlanta on Monday, Cleveland on Wednesday. And then we come home for the 20th day of this stretch that I believe is the hardest 20 days in our season where we come home to play the Lakers. Oh, but the next week it gets even better because the next week they have Utah, Phoenix, and Denver. (laughs) The end of the schedule is brutal. The Laker game is even a back-to-back. So then, so we've got, then the Lakers were playing on Friday. Then we play San Antonio on Saturday, which is a game again that we've brought up could really matter. So we come home from this insane road trip. They're home for one day. It's like, boom, play the Lakers. Uh, and at this point, we're probably seeing Anthony Davis and LeBron James back, possibly. Well, the LeBron James thing is interesting, right? Because it's this high ankle spring. I think mm-hmm. the timeline they put on it was three to four weeks at best. Yeah. If it's four weeks, that's around the time when he probably gets back, I think. Oh, actually, it's a little later. Never mind. It's a little later. So I think we probably see LeBron James back. Then we're going to have to play San Antonio the next day. Then, oh, don't worry. They get a whole day off on Sunday to then play Houston on Monday. Oh, I thought you meant they got a day off when they got to play Houston. Nope. (laughs) Oh, I'm so sorry to all my friends who are Houston Rockets fans, but, um, and I know it it hurts, but. The um, end of the season, it's those teams who screw up your dreams. (laughs) Yes. The teams who have lost the whole dang season mess up your dreams. Um, so. How does a team with Victor Oladipo and John Wall struggle so much? Like, I don't. Ownership. But like, ownership doesn't affect the the game to game, like, who makes it. Victor Oladipo! It's John Wall! Ownership affects mentality, and mentality goes all the way down and from some of the things we've heard that's happened with ownership i can imagine that some people aren't necessarily as thrilled to play for them i just feel bad for Stephen silas oh yeah he feel terrible for him he didn't sign up for this he signed up for russell westbrook and james harden which would have been so fun to watch him coach if it had worked out like that would have been so fun and none of this is really his, like, I don't, this just doesn't seem like it's anybody's fault. It's just like a curse or something. Yeah. Like, I'm hopeful. You can't I'm, blame him. I hope that the team doesn't at the end of the season. But with Fertitta, like you said, ownership, I don't know. Yeah. It's sad. It's, it's really sad to see. And I think I, if I recall, and I can have have this wrong, but I think that they're only like top three protected. So like top they four, could, yeah, yeah, they could go through all of this and still lose their pick. <laughs> that would suck. <laughs> they could endure all of this and still, you know, because of the odds and stuff, they still might not. Yeah, it just it's it's crushing, and I just like I feel so bad for John Wall because like you yeah. know. He looked pretty good when he came back and he looked, but then like suddenly he's like, he's stuck into a position that he wasn't expecting and he doesn't seem like he's relishing it. <laughs> Let's yeah. see. He's, it doesn't seem like he's like, well, okay, I guess it is what it is. I'll make the best of it. I think he's still more in the, oh gosh, we just got to get through this. <laughs> Could you imagine being like Christian Wood, a guy who signs for the summer? On a, you know, pretty big money deal, expecting to be the number two with James Harden. And then this all happened. Mm-hmm. And then he got hurt too. He hurt his, I think, ankle. Uh, yeah. And they haven't won since he's been out, which is yeah. like. It's been a long season for them. It's been sad. Yeah. So Portland gets them in their final week of the season. Yeah. As a little warm up before going into the brutal Utah 
Phoenix and Denver, of course, the three teams that are always just right there. I mean, that is a rough end of the season. Those last like six games, starting with that Laker game after the road trip, that is a very difficult way to end a season, especially when all those games, all or at least five of those six, not the Houston one, could have seating implications. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it feel, I think like it feels like we're we almost always end with Denver. Yeah, um, Denver and the Lakers. <laughs> so you either start or end with Denver, and uh, but you know what? We have the most clutch player in the NBA. So if the rest of the team can play well enough to keep them in the game, Damian Lillard can go win it for them, and like. That's when the Blazers come on strong. I mean, how many seasons have we watched this happen? Like, can is there a season where they weren't poised to come on strong? Because last year was weird. We don't know. We will assume that they might have. But like every other year, just when you're like, okay, well, that's it. Damian Lord decides that's not it. I mean, it kind of happened last year too in the bubble, right? Where you go in kind of being underdogs with you know Memphis as the eight seed and New Orleans has the easy schedule and. And sure enough, Dame did his thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and he's like way up there in the MVP conversation. Yeah. So I, what I don't understand is I don't know how much that matters to him. I, obviously, I'm, he wants to be his the best player, but I don't know how much like the hardware matters to him. But what I would hope is that it matters a ton to the rest of the team, and yeah. that they feel they decide what they're gonna do. To help Damien get there, because when was the last time anybody in Portland was this close? I don't even remember. And the if way he if they could finish after game, I know is the most. Like I want to hear that MVP speech so badly. Like oh, it's gonna be please, so good. Please. Just be so wonderful. Uh, the amount of tears Rip City would shed, we could fill reservoirs. I mean, now that I think about it, like, this schedule, as tough as it is, like, sets him up beautifully. If he can bring this team through it, if the team can just pull together enough to get through this, like, I think Damien has a serious shot. Which I I haven't really thought until I really looked at this. I think if you look at the schedule and if the team finishes strong and, you know, gets a top four, top five seed, when you combine a strong finish with what he did carrying the team while both CJ and Nick were gone, I think that narrative is really hard to overcome. Like, I think that the MVP is his flu at that point. Yeah. Wow. I'm kind of excited now. (laughs) Yeah. I don't have to do it. (laughs) Yeah. The end of the season is just like, wild, but it is wildly set up for that to be an amazing storyline. Can I voice one concern with the schedule? No. Yeah. Yeah, just kidding. (laughs) So, in the first half of the season, the NBA postponed, I think, 35 games. Four of which were for, like, Texas weather and that whole disaster. But about 30 were for COVID reasons. And, you know, at this point, people are starting to get vaccinated. We see our players got it. A couple other teams have vaccinated players, but and we haven't seen a second game or a game in the second half of the season postponed yet. But if something does happen where a game does need to be postponed because a team doesn't have players, the league doesn't have much time to reschedule that. Like there's no space at the end of the schedule because they want to you know fit it all before the Olympics. Um, yeah, what are they going to do? I don't know. I think this is at one point that. Similar to last year, some teams might not play all the games. And if that happens, then it is what it is. Uh, but I feel like that's worth bringing up given, you know, San Antonio, for example, is like three or four games behind us in terms of how many they play. They still have to make up quite a few. Uh, and that last season that helped us because we played fewer than others. San Antonio or somebody else might have that happen this season where if you don't play a lot of games, every win you do get means a lot more in terms of seeding. Oh, man, that's well, a great point. And it's crazy, the games that they did kind of reschedule, we look at this schedule and we're like, this is insane. And I think it's we're playing 
42 games in this time span or whatever it is. Um, other teams are scheduled up to 47 from that post All-Star break time. The stat I saw from ESPN was like, okay, I think Casey Holdall tweeted uh, when our schedule came out. It was 37 days and 67 nights. Mm-hmm. Just a lot. Yeah, and I think lot both San Antonio, I think San Antonio and maybe Washington, it was one other team. Uh, they had to do 40 and 66 or something like that. It's, it's just, that's insane. It can't and, be good for the players. No, it just, it seems point? irresponsible. What was the point yeah. of a 72 game season? There is none. Like, wasn't the whole argument that it was supposed to be better on their bodies, but instead we have now jam-packed this 72-game season into a crazy amount of time, which is not helping anybody's bodies. Yeah. Like, those 10 games, I feel like, if you had given them actual breaks, wouldn't have been as hard as this schedule. And it's tough, because, like, with all this physical body risk with, you know, playing so much in so little time, there's also risk of getting COVID, right? Uh And you see a team like Toronto who – before the all-star break was starting to find their group. They were starting to find their footing. And then they have a COVID outbreak and half their team is out for three weeks. And now that they're all back, you know, they're back, but the team is not playing well. They're not, they have, don't have that footing that they had found. Mm-hmm. And obviously they're also playing away from home and that also sucks. Uh, but it's just not safe for anybody. <laughs> it's not good. No. Yeah. It's going to be a wild end of the season. Um, and I think we have, we've covered a lot tonight. Uh, we have talked a lot about what's going to happen, what has happened, the likelihood of what might or might not happen as we approach the trade deadline. Um, anybody got any wild predictions for the end of the season? I think now that the more I think about it, I think we're going to, I think we're going to see a actual real race to the end to the MVP. I can just see, oh, I yeah. shouldn't have said that out loud. Shoot. <laughs> I think everything's going to fall off the rails. Good job. <laughs> I amend, I amend my comment. I think that the, the new play in tournament with the seven and eight seeds, I think that's going to make teams want to, you know, rest their players less because you want to avoid that situation. You want no part of that. So when you see a team like the Lakers where LeBron just got hurt for potentially a month, if not longer, and Anthony Davis, you know, who knows what his timeline is. If they fall into that area where they're now at the six, seven seed, they're not going to rest their players at the end because they don't want to risk falling out. Uh, I think that kind of whole thing is going to keep teams like us, the Lakers, the Spurs, uh, Denver, for example. It's going to be a race, like you said, Tara. It's going to be insane. I just hope that we get through it without, I, it's, it seems impossible to say we're going to, we could, to ask for getting through it without more injuries. You know, last night, LaMelo broke his wrist. Oh, that's such a, so sad. That sucks so bad. Uh, and it's just going to be harder and harder. So I don't know, wrap them in bubble wrap or, you know, if you're a praying person, <laughs> do whatever you can with, to hope that these guys who are, we are so fortunate to get to watch them entertain us, who's are, you know, lives are on the line probably more than they've been in a long time just to go play a game. You know, I just, I hope everybody comes through healthy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We want healthy players and, you know, the most beautiful MVP speech that ever did live. Um, but I think that's going to take us, uh, to kind of wrap it up for today. Um, uh, thank you so much for joining us. I feel like we have gotten so much insight and we've talked so much blazers and we're going to have to do this again. Um, how can people find you and your hot takes? First of all, thanks for having me. Um, I'm on Twitter at Blazers by Sagar. That's Blazers by S-A-G-A-R. Um, and I tweet a lot, so be warned. <laughs> well, wonderful. Um And, well, thank you so much for listening for everyone out there. You can find me at Cassidy Gemmett on Twitter. Tara, how can people find you? As a fellow 
who tweets a lot, you can find me on Twitter at TCB Biggs. You can also find our podcast at We Have a Take. Awesome. And if you've made it this far, far, blah, 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 my, blah. You've made it this far, Cassidy. You've okay. made it this far. And if you have made it this far, please like and subscribe on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. And if you enjoy, please leave us a review and tell us your own hot takes at We Have a Take on Twitter. And until next time, you know, light those candles, pray if you do. And you know what? Just watch the Blazers cheer and know we might be watching an MVP race. And go Blazers!